Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the lab. I'm JB. I'm the doctor. If you are a returning listener or viewer or even blog reader, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm going to go out there. I know for a fact you've already given us a five-star review. You've followed us. You've subscribed. You've liked. You've shared us with your family and friends. Uh, I'm sure. Right, Doc? They've done all that already? There's no doubt in my mind, and you don't want to make me a liar. So if you haven't done it, do it now so I, then I can say yes. can't make him a liar, folks. Look at that face. He's got enough working against him. All, all kidding aside, thanks for joining us again. If you're a new listener or viewer, you're in for a treat. Welcome to the lab. We have conversations with real professionals all the time around various topics that are meant to give you the insight and wisdom to level up and evolve to mastery. So super pumped to have you join us. If you found that you liked what you heard or saw, if you got something good out of this, um, we're going to ask you the same thing we asked our returning listeners. Give us that five-star review. Give us a like, a follow, a subscribe. Uh, we want to reach more people. The best way we can do that and the fastest way we can have an impact is through your help. So thank you ahead of time. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Speaking of ahead of time, we are fast approaching the end of the school year here for young kids. And if you're a little bit older, you got kids in that college age, they're probably done right about now. Welcome to summer. Summer, summer. So do you have any plans uh, with your child over the summer? Oh, uh, you know, good or bad, we have this summer super scheduled out for my kid between he's got coding camp, which is something that blows my mind that they have. And he's got fishing camp and then he's just got regular summer camp. He is going to have the best summer ever. And of course, a ton of family coming in uh, to welcome the newest addition in the family that'll be here soon. So we're pretty pumped about the summer. It's going to be a good one. You're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> I was already busy. God knows what I'm going to do this summer. I, I, I get more bags under my eyes this summer, man. So far, I figured out how many beach trips I'm going to take and um, how many margaritas I'm going to drink. The benefits of living by the beach in Southeast Florida, people. Not saying you want to move here, but not saying you don't either. It's a pretty nice area to live. Happy and single not having these little kids to worry about. I don't have yeah. to care about the school calendar other than... Less school zones and less traffic during that time. That's a win. Uh, and a little less uh, less congestion, right? Less traffic. It's a little hot in the summers, but the beach ain't that bad, as long as you don't mind bath water, because the oh, water's I mean, almost know, warmer. It's South Florida, so just wait a few minutes, it'll rain. <laughs> cool you right back down, right? No doubt. And then the well, sun. Doc, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's good for your skin. It, it really is. Coming from California, it's much better for your skin down here. So little little tip for all you out there. I'm sure that's what you listened in for, skincare. Uh, all right, Doc, I, I am super pumped. We've got a, a really special guest joining us. We've got Dr. Toby Travis, who for the rest of this episode, it's happening. He's going by Dr. T. I like that. Uh, he's, the, he's the upgraded version of Mr. T. 
Uh, <laughs> that that might be a reference lost on half our listeners, but that's okay. Uh, I pity the fool that messes with him. <laughs> so at least you know it, Doc. Uh, Doc, Doctor T, you've got a lot going on, uh, and rather than take any of your your thunder and lightning, I, I want I want you to take ownership of this. Tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and and just give us a little bit of insight, really quick, about what makes you so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need to talk to my wife and kids about what makes me awesome, I guess, but uh, I can tell you what my passions are and what I uh, enjoy doing and, and have had uh, the pleasure and joy of helping many others. So I'm a school superintendent. I've been involved in education for many years, uh, was a, a music teacher many years ago, and uh, really my area of expertise is in leadership development, school culture, those types of things. Um, but recently, in the last year, had a book release called Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement that's been getting some attention in places like Forbes and the Knowledge Review and eSchool News. And, and this has opened up a lot of conversations with businesses and, and corporate sector uh, and nonprofit sector, because a lot of what I'm, I'm dealing with in managing and, and trying to uh, address in the school sector really does apply universally. And, and it's all around this element of trusted leadership. And how do we assess it? How do we intentionally develop it? Because what we find is when we get the trust level right, there's a whole bunch of other great things that just happen. And in the corporate sector, I've got a, a friend of mine that works with Fortune 100 companies, and he'll tell you they see about 180% reboost in returns when they focus on high levels of trust. I mean, there's actually an ROI that we can measure. In schools, we see higher levels of student achievement. We see greater retention rates, a critical element right now when we're in you know, a teacher, national teacher shortage. Actually, that shortage has been around for years. It's just been exacerbated by the pandemic. And so when we look at retention rates, we look at community involvement and support, we look at volunteerism, all those uh, metrics of school success or organizational success get better when we intentionally develop high levels of trusted leadership. And so my work has been involved in how do you assess it? How do you develop it? How do you maintain it? How do you protect it? How do you develop intentional strategic plans that are all around increasing the trust level of uh, organizational leaders? I'm, I'm absorbing all that, Dr. T. That's, Maybe that's that was too much. Sorry, Jimmy. Than, Mr. T never talked that much, but you know. Well, he wasn't an educator, so. <laughs> so I, I grew up with a family of educators, so I so I appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, both, both my grandparents, my my aunt and my uncle, all educators in uh, the New York public school system. Uh, my grandfather was a, a vice president or vice principal, excuse me, vice president equivalent, right? Uh, yeah, in this public school systems there. So really appreciative of what we see in the school system. I think the doc is as well, and I, I never want to take away from what he has to say. Uh, I'm curious, what was the impetus behind the book? I, so you, you've got this great career, you're doing a lot. Why'd you write the book in the first place? Well, um, the why behind the book would actually have to back up to kind of the why because of my uh, my doctoral program and even there i have to back up to my experience and working as a teacher uh, i have to go, actually go back to my my first teaching experience in a formal school setting and i was absolutely devastated by the toxic work environment 
um, just the uh, what was kind of the assumed uh, negative relationship between faculty and administration. And, and I'm like, whoa, this is not what I expected. You know, I thought I was all about the kids. You know, I thought I was all about the learning. And uh, while there was definitely, um, you know, different power uh, structures going on. And then what happened, gentlemen, is I got tag for leadership pretty early on in, in my ed career and transitioned then, you know, to the other side of the fence. And it was like, all right, we've got to fix this. And but getting your arms around it, you know, uh, and I'm a data guy. It's like, OK, how, how do I even assess this? Um, so that was kind of what, you know, led me then into my doctoral program. Like, OK, let's let's dig into this. And then, you know, you, you go through that process and you end up with a dissertation that's this thick. And it's like, OK, what do I do with this now? How do you share this? And literally sitting at the dinner table, uh, talking with my wife about it, uh, she said, well, I was looking for a, a visual illustration. I was like, how do I how do I? help people who we know everyone's a visual learner so how do we how do we visualize all these complexities that we're talking about and what it takes to develop trusted leadership and she goes well isn't it really sweetie just like a bridge you've got to have all these components working together or it doesn't work and i'm like brilliant <laughs> and went back actually i spent about three months studying bridge architecture uh, just to see if the metaphor really did work and it does and so develop a framework for assessing and developing uh, trusted leadership using the, the framework of a bridge or uh, the, the, that metaphor. And so that's what the book represents is really a kind of a boiled down uh, layman's view of, um, of, of the doctoral work in understanding, okay, here is what the research shows us, what has to be in place. And then here are some tools for assessing it and developing action plans. So we know what to do different on Monday because of this. Let me ask, Dr. T, is there, is there a difference in kind of a clear and concise difference between trusted leadership and not, right? So just leadership versus trusted leadership. Yeah, sure. And again, almost by every measure, uh, you know, and it's interesting when you would go in and you start looking at, okay, we're, we're looking for correlations. Okay. So you get this outcome. Is there a tie to leadership? And, you know, Maxwell has said it for years, everything rises and falls on leadership. He's absolutely right. And and we have boatloads of research now to, to support that as well. And it, and it really is kind of a duh, right? I mean, think about organizations that you've been a part of that have really been a joy to be a part of and have been effective at what they do and then start talking about the leaders and what they did and how they did what they did and in every setting i've been in everyone does it may, it comes back to talking about the same types of um, competencies skill sets you know trust is not just this ethereal soft skill you know, and, and I think that's that is often a problem with organizations that aren't spending enough attention assessing it and intentionally building plans around how to develop this in their in their leaders and their organizations is they just, you know, they're just assuming, well, either you have it or you don't. No, no, no. The ones that are most successful at this, no, they're constantly assessing it. They're constantly developing uh, strategic plans for improving it, you know, they're, they're analyzing their practices, their protocols, their procedures all around this issue. 
And uh, so, yeah, is there a difference? Oh, there's a huge difference. And the results are, are different as well. And that's the, that gets to be the exciting part is when you see a school or organization that begins to understand this and they, they start changing their culture of their work environment around this issue, and you get high rates of innovation. You get deeper levels of engagement. I mean, just the payoffs are just really exciting, but it's really hard work. And it also, it requires transparency. Uh, Jim Collins talks about, you know, humility is key to level, what he calls level five leadership. Uh, yeah, you got to be mission driven. We all got to know where we're going and why we're going there and passionate about it. But you've also got to be humble. And that means we're willing to look at ourselves in the mirror and let others assess us as well. So, um, yeah, long answer to your short question. Big difference. So it's a good answer, though. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's something struck me and it shouldn't. I, I mean, it, it's it's par for the course with what I hear the doc talk about all the time, which is the three R's on how to how to manage and change behaviors. Right, doc? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe some internet issues with the doc there. Are we having internet issues or can you hear me? I can hear you now. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, three R's. Uh, definitely important to change any kind of behavior. Uh, I think that's what goes in concert to what, what Dr. T was saying. So if you haven't heard those three R's, make sure you go back to one of our previous podcast episodes that talk about behavioral change. So you're going to leave me in suspense. I know. I, I'm, I'm shocked here. He's he's always a man of few words. <laughs> well, that's how you build audience uh, participation. They have to go back and they have to they have to they have to listen. He's the smarter one out of the two of us. I'm I'm, I'm not going to lie. He's a pretty sharp guy. Uh, but you know, it 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 really is interesting. The behavioral modification. It, it's true with leadership, right? And you said it right. You've got it constantly and continuously. You have to assess. You have to take a look at yourself. You've got to be objective, and you've got to be willing to be vulnerable and and kind of maybe take. Uh, an honest look at yourself or, or maybe see yourself the way other people see you and not just the way you see yourself uh, to get a better feel for, am I, am I stepping up? So I'm, I'm kind of curious, you, you know, you, you mentioned within the book, you, you talk about how to, how to assess and how to develop and how to maintain and how to protect. And, and it sounds like it's a cultural thing, right? This is not just with one person. This is about changing the culture of, of an organization. Uh, how can somebody quickly determine if they've got a an issue with this are there any are there any kind of red flags that a leader or somebody within a, a business can look at and say okay we we, we might want to really take a careful look at this well there's there's pretty uh, actually a large number and and you see they're pretty it's pretty easy to self-assess that we've got an issue uh, in fact you know the the folks that reach out to me. Um, I mean, they've already self-identified, you know, either through like retention rates, right? They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're just going through people like crazy. People are not staying. And, and we've known in the corporate sector as well as in education, the number one reason people leave a job is because of a lack of support or perceived support uh, of their administrator or their, uh, their leader. So, I mean, that's a trust issue right there. And, uh, uh, 
so I would say retention rates are, is often an initial flag. Um, when you look at just um, any kind of job satisfaction surveys that are going on, if, if they're doing that or using those kind of tools, I mean, just their own internal metrics uh, are often a flag. Uh, when you look at, um, there was a major study done on discretionary energy, and that's everything from volunteerism to just, hey, I'm willing to put in some more time on this project because I love the project, right? Um, you see higher levels of discretionary energy uh, when there are higher levels of trust. And so you see, no, my team is just clocking out when, you know, when the clock is, you know, whatever the hour is. So if the school day is done at 3.30 and the click, they're gone, and these halls are vacant, it's like, mm, I'm not sure they're terribly. Now, I'm also all about protect boundaries, right? So I, I'm always I'm always saying my team, family first, family first. So, you know, take, take care of your family. That's your highest priority. And if that means you've got to get out of here at 3.30, go, 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 and take care of the kids, take care of your spouse. Um, but that discretionary level, you can tell when people are really engaged in the mission of what you're doing. And if they're not, that's a pretty good indicator. They're here for the job. They're not here because they're, they're passionate about what the leader is trying to accomplish. We see yeah. that across the board too, right? With productivity, with uh, the amount of engagement, if they're doing any kind of customer service, how they how they relate to the people they're speaking to so it goes so deep on how engaged someone is with the company and it starts at the top so if they have a leader that they believe in and someone that that cares about them then they care more about the business and if they have one that's not engaged then they're on facebook all day absolutely yeah one of the things that we've learned we, we talk about I, I use the metaphor of um of the bearings of a suspension bridge and a lot of folks aren't familiar with bearings they think about us you know in a car you got the bearings in your wheel right but the bearings of a, of a suspension bridge those are the moving parts of that bridge and 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 the analogy i use is to talk about leaders must be flexible but what we've discovered is you have you do not have the ability to be flexible if you're not involved. And so there's these two elements of trusted leaders. Uh, trusted leaders don't sit behind multiple doors of secretaries, right? They, they're accessible. They are on the floor of the plant or in the school. They are in the hallways. They're in the committee meetings. Um, you know, they're, they're not some distant remote uh, admin office place. And then the the ability to be flexible to meet the needs of your employees to meet the needs of your of your stakeholders to meet the needs of your clients well that becomes um, more uh, probable the more involved you are so it's a principle of trusted leadership and so then we look at okay how are we doing on that you know what is what is our visibility what does that look like and what can we intentionally do is this yeah We've got to build things into our daily calendar that force us to get out of our office. We need to figure out how to get things off our plate um, that we don't necessarily need to be doing. And so those are the kind of, you know, we get down into strategic conversations about what do we do different than so that that important principle actually gets lived out. That's, um, you know, that that's the kind of work that uh, I really enjoy doing is, uh, okay, how do we, if we know this is true, then so what? What, what do we do differently? I have to imagine, Doctor T, that one of the one of the bigger challenges leaders may have is 
kind of putting themselves in a position where they're working side by side and they're heavily involved because a lot a lot of times when you move into a leadership role all of a sudden you've kind of got like a, a big gulf between you and everybody else right there it's known okay this is somebody who yeah in a lot of ways controls my destiny right this is an authority figure this is not a we're not necessarily on the same page so i got I have to imagine that that's a stumbling block for a lot of leaders. And, and maybe you can shed a little bit of light on that. It, it, a, am I correct in my assumption here? And B, how do, how do people overcome Well, it that? can be, but it's all about everybody uh, understanding what lane they're in and staying in their lane. Uh, you know, that old principle of hire well and then support well. Uh, you know, what kills trust is micromanagement. You know, there's nothing that screams, I don't trust you if I'm constantly checking up. Now, there there are healthy benchmarks, you know, there are what we often call thresholds, right? OK, yeah, here's this project. Go run, do it. Let me know if you need any help. Uh, but when you get to this point, let's circle back and reconnect. But in the meantime, I'm here to support you. Go. You know, so that that's a trusting. Um, a, a non-trusting is, okay, I want a weekly or daily report. I need to see your KPIs every day, you know, and and literally, you know, just kind of, you know, riding uh, over the employee constantly. Then I, no, hire a professional and then trust them to do their job. And if you don't trust them to do their job, hire somebody you trust. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, so simple, yeah. right? I, I mean, that's that's a simple right. concept. Uh, hiring and firing can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking from experience, it's, it's, it's a skill set that I've never been great at. I, I like the people please. I think naturally that that's always been a tough one for me. Uh, but I, I I love your point. I mean, it's a lot of times it, it, it's simple. It, that doesn't make it right. easy for for people. On on a, on a whole nother note, you know, we're we're talking in a lot of ways about established institutions and, and companies, if I'm building, right, if I'm building, how do I kind of try to create this up front? Are, are there some things I can do to really make sure I don't have to come find you once all these red flags are like, you know, all the alarms are going off. Uh oh, I've got a problem. Like, how, how do we how do we build into this from the get? Yeah, you, and you don't necessarily need a specialist to help you do this. You just need to be reflective. And, and I would always say and have others in on the kind of the review exercise. So one thing I'm thinking of specifically, so something I do for um, schools and organizations is I'll do a document review. So basically they will send me their policy manual, right? And, or their employee handbook. And what I'm doing is I'm basically going through and looking at their protocols, their policies, their practices to see if anything is in there that is based on the assumption of, I don't trust my employees. So if you're building something new, right, uh, just avoid going there. And what we found is actually it is less expensive to run a company where there's high levels of trust and, and both directions. I trust my employees. They trust me. Right. And, and when you don't need to have all of these accountability practices and procedures in place, it actually is cheaper to run the program. Well, in organizations that are trying to figure out, okay, where did we go wrong? Well, typically where you went wrong is you had an employee who blew it, somebody who did something that was egregious or just was out of line. And so in order to address that, you tried to fix it through policy. You ended up punishing everybody because of the sins of the one, right? And it's like, mm, no, it, it was a one-off situation. Deal with the one-off. Uh, no, sometimes 
yeah, you do need to create a, a policy, but if the policy or the procedure is based on, I don't trust employees to do what is right. No, we've got a culture that we're creating kind of this adversarial role between leadership and an employee. No, I want to build a culture where, no, I assume my employees are going to do what they were hired to do and, uh, and, and I'm going to trust them. Now, are there evaluation tools that you're going to have here? Sure. And, and every, every place has that. But uh, if you're starting from scratch, just always have that in your mind. What does this mean in my relationship of trust with my employees? And as you build that out, make sure that you're creating a structure for them to thrive with, um, with clear benchmarks, you know, clear direction of where we're going, what we're trying to accomplish together. So if you weigh, you know, you're measuring what you're trying to produce, um, but you're providing as much autonomy, as much freedom uh, for them to thrive in pursuing those goals together. I'm going to say this is even more important for smaller businesses than it is for the larger corporations. Um, and I know we have a lot of, uh, you know, service-based professionals and entrepreneurs that listen to our, our show and, they're going to be on the smaller end, right? Their businesses are going to be more compact. And what I'm hearing is even more important in their world because you don't, you have less people to, to keep on your team and keep them motivated. So less people that have that you're counting on, but you're counting on them more. Uh, in a big corporation, if someone's unhappy and one person leaves, that doesn't big, that's not a big shockwave. In a smaller business, if one person's upset and leaves, when it starts to get other people on that team, that can make a big, big difference for you. So this is the very important message for those, those small business owners. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, Dr. T, I, I spent over a decade working with a fortune 50 company uh, that when, when I came on board, had just bought out a, a smaller independent company. And so you saw culture shift happen in front of you. You were a part of it. Uh, and it was it was very interesting over time to see the the influence of the new corporate culture, uh, and and I think you could see you know through the lens of what you're talking about, you could see the the shift in trust and leadership, and you could see it erode, right? You could you could see it, you know, and and not erodes maybe not the right word. I almost use it like you know when you see like that sheet of ice come off a glacier, almost right when it hit, right that it boom and it crashes into the ocean. It's just like oh that was a it's a big change all of a sudden. Um, and in the financial services world where, where I come from, you know, uh, you deal with a lot of compliance, which I'm sure you're familiar with in your world as well. And a lot of times compliance is built around, uh, managing to the lowest common denominator is the fun way of saying it. It's like, who's the stupidest decision maker we have that's going to be that person. And how do we protect ourselves from liability with that person? And okay, let's put all these policies in place to protect it. Now, all of a sudden you are creating an adversarial uh, environment, not just for employees and leadership within the organization, but what about the clients they serve as well? Because you see that in the financial services industry, where now all of a sudden it's maybe this is in my client's best interest, but I'm not allowed to make it in my client's best interest because I have this policy in place to protect against you know some some liability from leadership. So it's just really interesting to me because everything that you're talking about, I can I can look back, at, you know, whether it's in my current world or my previous life and career where I'm going, wow, yeah, I, I see it. And it was, it's an unfortunate thing to have to see and go through. And, and it's, 
it brings back memories though. It brings back good memories of like when I first started in that corporate world and I was like, wow, there's a great culture here. And then to see it go away, uh, it's hard. So, so I, 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 I guess I'm just saying, I, I really appreciate what you're saying and putting out there, having experienced it firsthand. Well, JB, this is why we've got to protect it. You know, and again, the, the best leaders that I've had the opportunity of rubbing shoulders with over the years, uh, they get it. They understand that, no, this is the issue. And, and it doesn't matter what, you know, whether it's, again, education, corporate, manufacturing, um, you know, we, we all have a mission, right? We all have a product of some sort. And, but that is not the, um, the main thing. And I've got a, a, a mentor of mine who kept talking about keep the main thing, the main thing, where you say, well, what's the main thing? You know, it's, it's well-being. It's uh, do we have a climate in which our people will flourish? Because when you have that, all the other things, it's like magic. <laughs> it's like if you get the culture right, you know, there's an education where they're saying, you know, culture eats curriculum every day. And it's true. If you get the classroom culture right, kids will just flourish. They'll just devour the curriculum. And, and you see, again, high levels of engagement, high levels of engagement results in high levels of achievement. Same thing in the corporate or manufacturing world. You create an environment in which people want to innovate, where they feel safe to uh, contribute to, you know, creating some new practice or procedure. Um, you know, you're, you're affirming people in their ability to be professionals and to pursue excellence. And that, that's, people want to go to work there. You know, they, they want to be a part of that. And, and so the main thing for leaders is ensuring you've got a culture and a climate that, that understands that employees are the highest value. You know, in, in, if I may, in the education sector where I see struggling administrators and superintendents well-intended, but they, they really blow it, is when they, um, they, they get the pecking order, if it were, if you will, out of, out of line. So you, you see, oh, you know, student needs, we need to be student centered. Yes. We're talking about instructional practices. We're talking about curriculum design. We've got to be focused on what the students need for their future. But when we're talking about the organizational management of the school, it's teachers first, teachers first always has to be teachers first, because if you don't do that, you know, if you put the, the needs of, of of students or or the wants of parents above um, the needs of teachers, uh, you're you're killing morale, right? It's you're not valuing your employees. Value the the employee. You know, if teachers are well supported, and and again, it's true in every sector. But as an example, when teachers are well supported, uh, when when they um, have the tools that they need, when they've got the resources they need, when they are challenged, uh, you know, there's also, yeah, we're, we're continually growing um, and they feel that they are trusted as professionals in their environment. We then see high levels of engaged students. So it's kind of this, if teachers are happy, students are happy. If students are happy, parents are happy. And if parents are happy, well, then we as administrators get to be happy. But you've got to keep it in that order. And same thing in uh, the business world. Um, keep employees well supported and clients are going to be happy because your employees are happy. And, and, it, and it really does work that way. I think I see a lot of public companies get this wrong, uh, Dr. T, in my experience. And, and it, I might be a little uh, colored in my, in my 
experience here because of my experience in the in the corporate world. But uh, you get a lot of public companies that are driving towards quarterly goals, and it is it's shareholder yep. first. Uh, you could say consumer second, uh, management third, and employee yep. last. And and it's unfortunate, but I I would I would put a guess out there that a lot of listeners who have worked for a publicly traded company feel very similar to what I just explained. And it's, it's a massive cultural issue and it's a massive issue with, I think the way we, we measure corporate success and, and it's a short-term gain for a long-term loss in my opinion. And I'm just, I, do you see the same thing in the corporate world? Am I alone in that? I, I, I would hope not, but. Well, and again, it's the proverbial, you're shooting yourself in your foot. You know, um, all of us, no matter what business or sector we're in, the most valuable part of our business or organization is the human resource. So um, value that and you're going to see you know, whatever your again, whether your product is education or your product product is a widget, um, that widget's going to get better the more engaged uh, and, and supported your, your, your widget makers are, uh, you know, so that's, it is such a key and you're, and you're true. And, and, and the, whether it's publicly traded or, you know, it's one of the biggest challenges in public education. There's such a call for accountability because of government funding, et cetera. Well intended. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that idea. Yes, there needs to be levels of accountability, but we got to hire professionals and let them be professionals rather than technicians or babysitters. It's like, no, let's let's set the bar uh, at, a, at a standard that, um, you know, like we see, you know, the most successful education systems around the world. You, you've got high expectations of teachers, but you also have huge autonomy given to those teachers to do their job. And uh, yeah, they're trusted as professionals and what they produce is amazing results. So I have a little off topic, but I'd be remiss if I didn't go in this direction. Uh, last week on our podcast, we had a, a great guest, Tracy Bissett, and we were talking a lot about education and the lack of education for, for business training and, and leadership um, in this school system. And having an educator here, I really want to get your thoughts on that and how you've changed some of that with this idea of how are we making sure that our students are learning about running a business and the importance of leadership in that so that we can kind of get an insight that this has changed over hopefully changing as we speak, even than it is, has in the past of uh, that important. Well, I think it is changing. I don't know that we can speak in the past tense yet, uh, but I think it is changing. We've been watching, you know, metrics in higher education uh, you, you, where you look at um, just compensation levels, you know, Individuals that are going into a, a trade school, uh, they're actually you know, their levels of compensation and their professions professions are, you know, equal to those that are staying in to have to get a graduate degree before it makes a difference. You know, so that whole idea of, you know, you got to get your bachelor's degree to make more money. Well, it just isn't true. And and really, what the research shows now, or the study shows, you you know, you you have to at least uh, completed a graduate program. Uh, the vast majority, I think it's in the, it's like the 85 percentile of bachelor's degrees, four-year degree um, graduates are not using their degree, you know, in their employment. You know, it's it's uh, really just kind of a stepping stone. So there is a, a big focus on, okay, no, let's encourage kids and young adults to 
get into into trades, get into specialties uh, sooner. Uh, if if our our desire here is to ensure they've got a, a better and healthier financial future. So I, I think that is happening. So how are schools addressing that though? Uh, that That's still developing. I was just actually in a meeting with uh, a gentleman that has started a new private school, uh, I think about nine years ago now in the uh, Raleigh-Durham area. And uh, it uh, it is a it's a boys school so it's it's it is a it's a private school but it's all on on leadership and you know so there is more flexibility obviously in the private sector to address those types of concerns than than in the public sector but I, I think you are seeing uh, a lot more partnerships developing between community colleges and schools. Uh, the, the school that I, I currently administer, we have a fantastic relationship with the community college, and there are lots of um, uh, pre-business uh, type uh, courses that uh, avail the kids to and able to actually get that completed even before they graduate high school. So I think the trend is there. I think it's happening, um, but um, always more can be done. I would imagine that as we as we become more successful implementing, you know, the trusted leadership uh, from a top down, kids see that, right? Students see that and they experience it, and so the, you know, just through almost osmosis, they're they're going to become better themselves when we have that structure built out better from from the top down. You hope I'm I'm well, yes, if if they had it modeled well, that's true. So take a look at, uh, at, at athletics. There's a rather uh, embarrassing and frustrating study that came out about four years ago uh, on character development in uh, K-12 schools or high schools specifically in athletic programs. You know, uh, kind of our, our common wisdom is, oh, we, we, you know, we, we do this uh, football program or whatever, you know, because it's gonna build character in the kids. And the research actually showed us the exact opposite. And, and, and with a big exception. And so what we found was no, actually in team sports, um, character development was not being uh, built. And think about it, look at the stands. <laughs> look at what goes on in the stands, right? Okay, is this building the kind of character we really wanna have? So here, but here was the exception guys, here's the good news, is it came down to the style of coaching. If the coach's focus was on developing uh, athletes of character, then yes, that that athletic program served as a vehicle to do that. And we can have some shining examples of it. But if the focus of the coach was simply the pennant or the, you know, to win the games, the, you know, be top in the district, what we actually saw is character development was actually um, at a negative in those situations. These are not nice kids. These are not nice people. You know, these are not people you want to be employing. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, are going to build winners at all costs. Actually, no, that's a really bad idea. You want to build quality kids, quality young men, quality young women who that you can trust in the workplace, then your athletic program is going to pay off. And uh, so it, it's, yeah, it, it all, all comes back to keeping the main thing the main thing. And as we think about preparing students for their future, that is another area that I'm encouraged about because we believe, I think one study I saw recently is probably 60% of future employment hasn't even been created yet. You know, we don't even know what those jobs are. So what should we be doing is preparing students with transferable skills to any kind of employment. 
And so here we're talking about uh, globally thinking, collaborative worker, um, critical thinking. You know, these these should be what we're focusing on as as the primary skill sets or competencies. And that, I again, I am encouraged. I see a lot of work happening there. Uh, I'll do a plug for Tony Wagner's book, uh, Most Likely to Succeed. Uh, and that, that book actually, it, it's a great read for anyone in any sector, but it's talking about what should we be investing in youth today to prepare them for their future, not our past. And, uh, and great thinking that's going on there. Awesome. Speaking of preparing people, we heard you might have something interesting for our audience to take a look at. Would you like to share that with well, us? Well, there's a number of things. So um, we have developed uh, some uh, self-assessment tools. Now, this isn't hard data. You know, these are reflective tools, but I can share a link with you and your listeners. Um, partnered with a company called SchoolRipe, but there's also application here for non-education sector where you can do a self-assessment of your leadership. And using six components of trusted leadership, it will actually give you a score on, uh, on where you're, you're doing well, what needs improvement, and what may be uh, really hurting uh, your work. And that's also to introduce a 360 tool. The, the self-assessment's a free tool. Uh, you just need a link, jump in, and, and you can do it. The 360 uh, is a, a paid service where employees are surveyed uh, to provide uh, answers to uh, 48 research-based questions about their leader. And from, from there, we, we get some really great data to then inform some uh, action planning and, and goal setting for the development of the leaders to make a difference. So that's that's one tool. Of course, the book, uh, Trust Ed, is available on Amazon. Uh, you can find that uh, pretty quickly. And again, it's called Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement on, on Amazon. And uh, you can find me at trustedconsulting.org um, and provide a, a variety of services um, to help uh, primarily schools, but also uh, organizations and, uh, and a little bit in the corporate sector as well. And, uh, and happy to help or direct you to others who can do the, do the work that you may need in this area as well. Of course, all those things will be found in the show notes below. Or if you're watching on YouTube, some of that was scrolling on your screen. Dr. T, I, I mean, I could probably talk to you for another hour or two around all this, if, if not a, a, a few days worth of conversation, it really yeah, covered a lot of ground and, and touched on some things I didn't expect to touch on. Really appreciated the insight uh, that you provided with us here. Thank you so much for joining us in the lab. Uh, very grateful to have you as a My guest. pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen, for the opportunity. Thank you, sir. What an absolutely awesome conversation. It was. Um, I decided that I am going to start like my own super friends and I'm going to collect all my doctors and <laughs> um, we have our, you know, well, well loved guest uh, and friend, Dr. P. And now we have Dr. T and I'm technically Dr. C. So we're going to start our own super friends, take over the world. I, uh, I'm not feeling left out at all. I might like I joke, my my credentials are, are legit. You, you don't just earn the JB. You got to put some effort in. And no, I did not say JD. I did say JB, just to be clear. Well, I mean, you know, the super friends have their their sidekicks. Like they have their people that come in and 
and offer some res respite. So we'll, we'll definitely find a place for you. You know, you're lucky that this that this is a uh, this is a, a non mature channel for the podcast and YouTube. You're very lucky. I might have some strong strong words for you the next time we have we we, we meet up over a drink or something. I, I I'm just letting you know. Be prepared. Be very prepared. You better bring your super friends. Super friends will be with me. All right. Top top takeaway, Doc. What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, again, just the connection, and that's why I asked that question of like how education is so important and why. You know, if you're listening last week, we talked about the idea of education, not helping people get ready for business and um, leadership is probably the most important things that you can if you're going to start a business and have any kind of employees, uh, even if it's just one, knowing how to motivate and get the most out of them helps your bottom line, uh, helps the, the team energy, helps your sales, because these are the people that are going to, they're the front line for your business. You know, the people that you work with are the front line because you're not there all the time. They are. And they represent you. And if they don't have that buy-in for you, they can do a lot of damage. So just the idea of starting from the top and setting that pace that everyone wants to promote you and actually loves you and the brand, that's, I think, the biggest, most important thing you can do for your business. That's a, that's a good one. There's a lot of takeaways here. I'm going to, I'm going to key in on something that uh, wasn't specifically stated. Uh, but for me, it's, is something that I think we all need to hear and be reminded of. I don't care what job you have, right? Whether you're a, in a career, a job, a business owner, a founder, I don't care what it is you specifically do. We can all, no matter our role, be professionals. And Dr. T didn't say that specifically, but he definitely spoke to it, right? We can all be professionals. Uh, and that to me is all about up here, Doc. It's all about mindset and how we go about carrying ourselves every day. And it it is a great reminder for all of us that I don't care what you do or what somebody else does, they're either going to be a professional or they're not. And, and you, when you're working alongside them or they're coming into your lives, you, you, you got to hope and trust that they are professional. Uh, and there are always good ones out there, no matter what field or trade they're in, there are professionals out there. Uh, and that would be the power of networking. What in it? It would be. And you know where else you can find some amazing professionals? Tell us, tell us talk. Inside of our free Facebook group, the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. If you're watching on YouTube, the link's right there, or you can go right down to the show notes, or just go on Facebook groups, the Lab of Mastery, and you can find us. You can also find us on all our social media. Do you know where that is, JB? Uh, at JB and the Doctor. You can find us pretty much anywhere. You Google it, you will find us. Uh, we are like everywhere. I'm actually quite impressed and quite scared. I'm not used to seeing myself all over. And yeah, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, we've got a link down below for a freebie. If you're listening on the podcast, this will be in the show notes, but we've got six methods to ensure that your business doesn't fail. Uh, they're the six most common reasons businesses fail. Uh, you know, I, I said uh, another week that, hey, we might need to up that to seven. And now I feel like we need to up it to eight. Cause every time I, I spoke, uh, speak to another professional, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is such an essential and it's, it's integral to, to success. So, uh, a great free download, check it out. And again, if you haven't liked, subscribed or followed yet, 
uh, go ahead and do so. Give us a five-star review so we can help provide more insight and more wisdom to even more people and have a greater impact. That is what we're here for. And feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you all uh, what your what your takeaways are, what your favorite parts are. Um, you can reach us uh, in the in Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. You can DM us on all our social media or go right to our website and contact us at jbandthedoctor.com where you can find this lovely podcast. Also our blog, our illustrious blog. Uh, so we can get you connected in any way you want, but we do love to hear from you. So holla. All right, buddy. Uh, to all my friends and listeners out there, to all the viewers, good to see you. Thank you. I'm JB. I'm out. I'm the doctor. Peace out, yo.